0: Welcome into the Charlie Reimer Podcast. I'm your most of the time friendly host, Charlie Reimer, except for right now because I'm on a diet. I'm not very friendly when I'm on a diet, but um, we'll get to that at a later show, but uh, <laughs> I need to be on a diet for sure. But uh, welcome into our show. Thrilled to be joined by uh, uh, my fellow uh, ambassador for uh, Myrtle Beach, in particular golf here in Myrtle Beach, Meredith Kirk. Meredith, how are you doing this morning.
1: Your podcast, I got to brag and tell everyone. Guess what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm going to be on the Charlie Reimer podcast. Did
0: they go? Who? Who? <laughs> Everybody knows who you are, Charlie. <laughs> I, I was playing golf the other day with uh, my buddy Mark Bryan, the lead guitarist for Hootie and the Blowfish, and uh, uh, we we teed off on the tenth tee. And and uh, y- you know the old guys would always hang out at the you know on the back of a golf course. Uh, they're, they're sitting there watching us hit, and and um, I hit one down the middle, and one guy, he, he leans over the other one, and you know old guys talk loud anyway, and it's like uh, um, uh, he says uh, he says that's Charlie Reimer, and the other old guy says who, <laughs> and Mark and I were standing there, and Mark Mark of course you know play, playing with Hootie for all the years, and and it, it, it the band is great, but Darius is is a guy that most people. Recognize and Mark looked at me. He said, "Welcome to my world." So, uh, <laughs> so that that was that was a lot of fun. But uh, uh, th- those guys are great. It's always fun to to play golf with any of the guys in the band. And and uh, Darius is the best player in the band. But Mark's not a bad player either. But uh, Mer- Meredith, great to have you on. Um, I-, I got a lot of things I'm wanting to to uh, places I'm wanting to go with you today. But first off, you you you. Grew up in Atlanta. You're born in Atlanta. You you basically went out to Colorado. Your sister was at uh, Olympic uh, or training for the Olympics. Was it figure skater or skiing? I can't remember. Skiing wasn't it? Yeah. No, it's figure skating. Figure skating, and that and that took you to Colorado. That's where you fell in love with the game, and 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 you got competitive. You end up coming to Coastal Carolina, and and playing golf at Coastal Carolina, and th- that's what I want to ask you about Coastal Carolina with what happened. Uh, with, with, with the football program last year, of course, everybody knows Coastal Carolina's got a wonderful marine biology department and a lot of other great things going on, but but being a Coastal Carolina grad, you got to be really, really happy with what's going on uh, with, with that school right now.
1: Yes, it's very exciting. Um, I actually, I don't even want to mention the date that I went to Coastal, because then I'm totally giving my age away, but let's say it's in the 90s. We'll, we'll go back to I understand question. And uh, it used to be USC, and then it changed to Coastal Carolina University in the 90s. And they actually just made the switch uh, when I went to Coastal. So, you know, it has grown so much. I lived on campus my first year in the dorms, and it's funny because those dorms are still out there, and there's kids still living in those same dorms, and they were really old when I was there. (laughs) But I think they renovated them and stuff. But, yeah, the school has grown so much and there's it's just amazing the sports programs and and some of the players that have come out of coastal so it's pretty exciting to be coastal alumni
0: yeah it, it was great watching some of the games on on espn espn game day uh here in myrtle beach uh was was really wonderful uh, the facility where myrtle beach golf tourism solutions is based uh where our studio is here um is is uh, on the barefoot resort uh, driving range that serves three of the four golf courses here at Barefoot Resort. And and most days when I come in here to tape a show or get yelled at in some of the meetings, they yell at me a lot here. And and probably deserve it. too. That's why I'm on a diet, by the way. But anyway, uh, the, the, see, on any given day, I either see some of the men or some of the women from Coastal out, out here practicing, and it really sort of gives a building a cool vibe and all of that. Have, have you stayed in, involved at all with, with the program? Do you stay in touch with what's going on there on the on the golf side?
1: On the golf side, I don't. Um, I actually recently spoke with Coach Darren. He was on our Gimme Golf podcast with dot com and I actually ran into him a few weeks ago at Myrtlewood with the team out there because that's where I teach at, and so I got a chance to connect with him and uh, talk about his program. He's really done a great job uh, coming on board at Coastal. What he's doing with the team, I just think so highly of him. He's a really good coach, and you know, right now with the COVID environment and everything, um, it's going to be an interesting year. You know, I know there's a couple seniors staying on his team, and uh, which makes it challenging for the rising. But yeah. Those good players. You know, right now rosters are overflowing, and I think in, in the next year or two, it will kind of get back to normal. But I mean, he's got some really great players. I mean, Zach Taylor, I love his story. Uh, he gets to stay on another year for eligibility, and that's going to be great for Coastal and mm-hmm. for Coastal as well. well. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, Coach Garen mentioned to me talking about the girls um, that. You know, when it comes to girls' golf, really girls don't get that much attention. You know, it's we're so gravitated to, to the male players. And even myself as um, a, a female, I'm an LPGA member, I tend to gravitate at times toward watching the men. And that's another thing that I'd like to get more involved with, especially being Coastal alumni, is getting out there and watching the girls as well as the guys. Mm-hmm. They don't get that much attention. And these girls are amazing. And you know that, Charlie. It's when it comes to the golf swing I tell a lot of my male players to watch the ladies I'm like don't watch the guys just actually just watch an event on tv LPGA players go out and watch the female players because they have such a good rhythm and tempo and so anyway um great programs at Coastal uh the you know the boys and the girls are amazing and I think things are going in the right direction for both of those teams. Yeah, it's great it's
0: great to see it. sort of like everything in Myrtle Beach head, heading in the right direction here mm-hmm. and and I listen I agree 100% on you about what uh, watching the girls because for over 99% of the golfers out there watching some of these young ladies in particular get out and play some of the the, the younger players on 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 LPGA veterans, college, even the junior golfers. We were, we were watching them at the Dustin Johnson World Junior Golf Championship. The, the game that they play is more relatable to, to what amateurs play than what goes on on the PGA Tour. Because at PGA Tour, the game is so one-dimensional now. It, it, it's just blast away, and it's, and it's all about the week that you get hot with the driver. As a PGA Tour player, when you get, you get hot with that driver and you're, and you're carrying at 330 and, and you're finding the fairways that week, that's a week that you have a big week, and, and it's opposite of what the game used to be. It used to be put the ball in play, get it on the green, and the weeks you get hot with the with a putter, those are the weeks you make the money. But it, it's not a complete game watching men's golf at the, at the highest level. The ladies, to me, on most golf courses ha- have to use a little bit of strategy. They have to use every club in their bag. It's a more interesting game and a lot more similar to, to what, say uh, – you know, a, a, a five handicapper, the kind of golf, or five to twelve or fifteen handicapper plays that the, the game that they play on their their course on a daily basis is a lot more similar to what the LPGA players are playing, or, or relatable. Not similar because right. LPGA players are going to <laughs> smoke them, but but yeah, it, it's yeah, just it's more funny. more fun to watch people play in a, a game of golf that they have to hit every club in the bag and think their way around the course.
1: It is. It's realistic too, and and like you said the strategy they're having to use more clubs um, you know that second shot that club is going to be a lot different than what you see you know a PGA tour player it's it's almost like sometimes like when i watch the guys i'm like this is golf on steroids right here.
0: yeah it's it looks like golf but it's not really golf you know it is is it's just so different than the game that, that i played Growing up and, and even my few years on the PGA Tour. But, hey, you mentioned Myrtlewood. Myrtlewood is, is uh, uh, a golf course that's been around for a long time, 36 holes there. It's always been special to me because I grew up here in South Carolina. And when I was 15, I won the uh, Carolina's Golf Association, South Carolina Junior there. And it was like the first... Big tournament that I won. I'd won a few tournaments before that, and it was like, a, you know, the Pee Wee Club Championship or a regional thing. But but uh, the Palmetto course there, uh, with the 18th hole that finishes right on the, the waterway. I know it's been redone. The other course, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Uh, what's the second course? Pine Hills has also been redone. Both of those golf courses have been redone in the in the past uh, five years now. What what a wonderful facility. I'm sure you enjoy teaching there every day.
1: I love it. And I love all the people. I mean, it's so busy and 36 whole facility. I mean, it, it's great. I get to see people our locals all the time. So when I'm on the uh, TTT, it's, hey, Meredith, and I get to connect. And of course, I'm very uh, a talkative and social person. So I love it. I love people. So yeah. I get
0: to
1: connect. And so I, I just like that because you get to connect with especially like our primetime members. Um, you know, in the area, that discounted way to play golf, which I always recommend to people, you know, get your Prime Times card. A lot of them go out there and play. So I get to see our members out there. And and uh, also I get input on golf tips. Hey, I need a tip for this. And it gives me ideas on different content that uh, we can give our viewers on, you know, what they're wanting to learn. But yeah, the course is awesome. Um, Dan Schlegel did those renovations mm-hmm. along with, uh, Founders Group. And uh, Dan is such a great guy. Um, just he did a phenomenal job, and basically, pretty much from my understanding, with those renovations, restored a lot um, of that course. You know, over time and decades, the greens start to recede in the bunkers and whatnot, and uh, and also made additional changes. But the course is in great shape. I love the greens out there. The greens are rolling really good right now. A lot of people know that I'm out at Myrtlewood, and sometimes I'll get texts like, "Hey, how are the greens?" How- yeah got to come out, uh, so it's great. And I love the staff there. The people that work there, oh, my goodness. I mean, they are a hoot. Like, every time I go out there, we're just cracking jokes and stuff. So we have way too much fun at Myrtlewood.
0: Well, you know, the thing is, is is any really cool golf facility has to have a place to hang out when you get finished. And that back deck there at Myrtlewood, when the sun's going down, it's right on on the intercoastal waterway. It's got a great... View, view of sunset and, and always it's always fun to hang out with golfers after a round of golf and everybody's sort of decompressed and that's when you get to tell uh, the biggest lies and sometimes people actually believe them but, but a great hang in and, and I actually was uh, filmed uh, part of a show down there with Javier Colon um, winner of the Voice on NBC he loves golf as much as anybody I know and uh, that, that show will be coming up here in, in a few months on, on the new Charlie Reimer Golf Show over on uh, CBS Sportsnet so Uh, Looking forward to getting that out. But uh, right there at Myrtlewood, really neat place. If the folks are coming to town and they're interested and booking some lessons with you, what's the best way to do that, Meredith?
1: Um, Well, the best way is just to contact me directly. I have a website. It's MeredithKirkCoaching.com, and you can contact me there. I have everything from um, over 100 golf tips that you can just scroll through if you need a quick golf tip. Uh, a contact form, my teaching philosophy. A lot of people are interested in how do you teach, you know, what your concepts and methodology. I just have everything there. So uh, you can go to my website and, and check that out and then contact me and book and through me.
0: Well, you, you're so positive and passionate about golf. I know, I know you enjoy teaching. So, so let's go back to finishing up Coastal Carolina. How, how did you get from finishing up at Coastal Carolina to, to be an LPGA member teaching on a daily basis and being so passionate about this game?
1: Well, I have a unique story, and I wish I could tell you I had the traditional four-year golf college experience. I actually did not. Um, you know, I moved here to play golf from Colorado, obviously with my sister's training and whatnot. It was very competitive. So you can imagine you're in a family where you train. You know, my sister in the Olympics. I trained with golf. My whole world was golf growing up. I mean, I traveled. um, You know, I won the Denver Open. I got to play in the Junior World Optimist. Got to play with Tiger Woods even when we were kids, though, before. Yeah. um, So I had so many awesome experiences with junior golf. Did really well here in South Carolina. But I found myself really burnt out late high school. I mean, I was really didn't have much of a social life. I mean, I did – My, I would say my sophomore and junior year of high school, start to get out with friends and stuff. But, I mean, I was grinding. It was like right when school got out, I was at the golf course until dark. So I just was really burnt out. I had a lot of offers uh, to play at various schools, a lot here in South Carolina and some uh, Division II schools. And I just decided that I did not want to play golf my first year of college. I was just, again, really burnt out. So I did not play my, my first year. And then my second year, um, still really was struggling with my passion for golf. It's, it's like I would go out to the course and just practice because I knew I would have to. I, I kind of lost a lot of passion in, in wanting to play competitively. So I took a year off, uh, you know, a mid-gap year in college, uh, moved to Costa Rica, and I was on the island of Kauai, and I, I tell everyone it was my soul-searching year of life. I was 19, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with golf and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, where was my passion. And also, coincidentally, during that time, trying to figure out my own faith, my belief system. So I definitely was this young kid, 19, traveling the world, um, surfing too. I'm not a great surfer, but I did like this uh, longboard. Actually, got to enjoy the waves in uh, Costa Rica and Hawaii. Uh, Literally, almost got swallowed up on a wave in Kauai. That's a whole other story. I'm alive here to tell that story. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, came back uh, from Hawaii, and uh, Todd McCorkle was the head coach at Coastal, and and he let me walk on. And so that's when I got involved a little bit in college golf. And it was after that year that I really – got into instruction. So I don't know if you remember Carolyn Condone. Do you remember Carolyn Condone when she used to run, she used to run <laughs> junior programs here along the Grand Strand, a wonderful lady. I don't know if you remember. I,
0: I never met her, but I, I know who she was, and I always hear about how passionate she was about junior golf in particular, and I know she was a legend here in Myrtle Beach.
1: She really was. She, she was amazing. Well, she hired me to be a director of, uh, her junior program, one of the directors. And I, I took on that responsibility in college, and I really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. also by a uh, local uh, golf school here to teach. And it was in that transition that I thought, I'm not really, pa- I, you know, I just I lost my passion to want to go on the LPGA tour. I, I think I could have done it with my play. You have to have the heart. And so uh, I was hired by, uh, you know, Gary Shaw.
0: Oh, very well. Yeah, he's a neighbor yes. of mine, past president of PGA of America.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, so le- I mean, the, uh, the legend that is Gary Shaw. He's the greatest.
1: He, Gary Gary's amazing. So actually at this point I was 20 because I had been back uh, from Hawaii, was back at Coastal, and really determining do I want to play golf or do I want to teach. And so I was, again, running Caroline Cadence program, helping with that, helping at local Uh, golf schools, and uh, Gary hired me as an assistant pro at the old deer track. Mm -hmm. It's no longer there. And I remember just being really encouraged um, by him, saying, hey, Meredith, you know, you have a great opportunity to come on board with the PGA. We need more females in the business. And so I was kind of motivated at that point and found more of a passion on, on the business and teaching side of it. So that started my journey in the golf business. I can tell you that I have been pretty much in every role in the golf business. I mean, people see me now and they're like, oh man, it's the golf instructor. But what people don't realize is I've really carried many jobs in the golf business. You know, I've been a first assistant. I've been an assistant. I have grinded behind the shop. I've worked at large facilities. Uh, with multiple courses, tea times, bookings. I've been a beverage girl. That's a lot of fun. That's,
0: a- <laughs> That's the only only thing I haven't done in golf. I haven't been <laughs> a beverage girl.
1: Yeah, so, it's, <laughs> you know, just the whole gamut of the golf business. Uh, it's really been a great journey. I, I think teaching definitely is something I'm most passionate about. I get lost when I'm teaching. I can be with a student. I mean, just yesterday I was teaching someone. We're supposed to have an hour lesson. I look at my watch. I'm like, wait, I've been at this 90 minutes. You need to go home. Go
0: home. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so that's that's fun. great. So
1: it's been really a blessed career. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to have a lot of children, too. That's another thing I'll mention. You know, I and I wanted to have children young. I just, I always wanted that desire to have kids young, and I did. So I have, you know, three boys. I had my first son when I was 22, my second son at 24, and my third son at 29. And now they're 20, 18, and 14. So it's it's really cool because, you know, really, I, I thank God. You know, I've had so many blessings. And, um, you know, my path in life is, you know, it ebbs and flows. It's had highs and lows. But I'm happy with the path that God's given me because I've had the opportunity to raise a big family and uh, continue my passion for golf, although I never, you know, played professionally. I'm okay with that because this was the perfect plan for me.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing. It has been an amazing journey like you. I'm, I'm a person of faith and I believe that if we get out of our own way, then we end up on the path that we're supposed to be on. Sometimes it takes a while to get out of our own way, but. Certainly. Yes, big man's got you where, where he wants you, no doubt about that. And one of the things I think is so cool, you, you mentioned your kids. I know you're passionate about junior golf and talk, talking about – it's one of the things that, that people don't realize, I think, when they watch professional golf on television and they see a, 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 an LPGA star or a PGA Tour star, and they, they just think, well, that person was, was born, everything was perfect, they started playing golf, they won every tournament, they – you know, never had any issues with life, they're always happy. Why wouldn't you be happy because you play golf every day and, and you, you played at a really cool school and you came out and you got the tour and you started winning tournaments? It doesn't happen that way. It's, it's, it, 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 there's so many ups and downs in, in uh, pro- professional golf, and, and I know you, you mentioned your sister who was a, the skater and the training and all of that, but um, you, you give up. You give up your social life. Um, there's so many choices that you have to make if you're going to be so highly specialized to develop in a sport where there's only a couple hundred people in the world that make a living at it, and they make a lot of money. I mean, you, you have to sacrifice a lot, and it starts early. And that's not for everybody, because I, I can tell you that, that some of the, the, and I'm a positive, upbeat person like you are, but some of the toughest moments I've had in my life were involved a, around golf. And, and especially, you know, am I going to turn pro, am I not going to turn pro? I went through that same battle. And, and when, when you put in all that time and you're not getting the performance, it's easy to start thinking, well, I, I'm doing all the work. I'm not getting the results. I must be a bad person. And, and that's a dangerous place for young people to be in. And it sounds like you were close to that and you went, went on, on on your your, your journey to Costa Rica and, and Kauai. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad that during that time, apparently you got some clarity and a game plan, but, but a lot of people don't have that luxury, but it's just not that the path isn't always clear and, and fans don't understand the sacrifice and all they see are the uptimes. They don't understand the downtimes.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of like, uh, when you're, when you're a competitive person, like you and I, I mean, I was competing at seven. We were a hardcore competitive family. There's this, you know, having a really competitive nature, you can shame yourself too. And I, and I remember feeling severe guilt. Like I was a horrible person for, for giving up scholarships. I literally was turning schools down because I had no passion. I remember saying my whole life I've worked for this. I've got it and I don't want it now. I need a break.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I rest, and so I went through a period of feeling like, oh no, I'm letting all these people down. I've built this reputation of a player. I'm blowing it. I've, you know, I'm making all these mistakes, and um, it, it's, you know, and it that's worse on competitive people. It's, wor- I think, it's harder on our minds because we're used to training, we're used to more of a regimen, and so for me, it was just, um, you know, I had to kind of hit that bottom of figuring out who I was, what I wanted to do with life. And there's a lot more to life than golf. And I think that's where balance comes in. And I think that's key, even for, as you know, the best players, there has to be a balance in life. You know, you have to have time for friends. You have to make that time to connect because if you just get tunnel vision, you're you're going to hit a wall. And I put so much pressure on myself trying to be perfect, trying to be a perfectionist. And, you know, God let me fail. He let me fail time and time again in the learning process to realize, okay, it's okay if I don't have this uh, perfect collegiate career. It's okay if I don't play professionally. I'm not letting people down. Ultimately, I have to do what I feel in my heart that's, that's best for me. And, again, it's not for everybody. And like you said, you said something really key. There's not many people that make it to that level and to sacrifice, and you're sacrificing years. Um so many different things, and it's a very big decision. And, you know, when you look, if you're on Instagram or Twitter, and you're looking at social media profiles of so many great players, you know, um, the men and the women, you know, they're positive and everything, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work.
0: It, it definitely... It is a ton of work, and, and one of the things that, that, that I see in junior golf, and I'm sure you've dealt with a lot, of the, the parents that can push these kids um, really way too hard. And, and I think a lot of times the parents that are pushing kids are, are the, the ones that either don't know the sport at all or think they were a lot better than they actually were when they were a kid and thought, if I'd have just worked harder, I'd have got to the to the – to the PGA Tour. But I, but I see it in other sports, too, like, like you. You know, we, we had a chance to travel and meet so many folks. I've got so many friends that are professionals in and, and other sports. Uh, you know, a lot of times the Hall of Fame type folks that, that end up having friendships with, and it's like they always say let your kid do other things. Don't make them focus on one sport. And and that, that's every, every time you sit down and you talk to a Major League Baseball player, NFL player – a PGA Tour player, uh, I- anyone who's made it to the big leagues and, you, and they have kids you start talking about it and you say, well, they've got to, they've got to do it because they want to do it and I want them to do other things. And, and then you go and you talk to coaches that are in that particular sport and I've seen, I had a three-sport athlete, my youngest son, and, and the biggest problem he ran into is every single coach the football coach, a baseball coach, a basketball coach say, Well, I don't want to play another sports, I want them to specialize. And I say, Well right. you, you, you know, I spend time with Lou Holtz every Friday and Lou Holtz says, um, play other sports, do other things, have other interests, you know, and and well it doesn't really and I'm like, no, no no it does it does make a difference. have some some life away from from being one hundred percent focused all the time on on your your particular sport or you'll end up going crazy. And and that's why I think a lot of the top athletes, and Jack Nicholas is a great example in, in golf. He had a very strong life away from playing professional golf. In fact he's one of the reasons the top players are only play 18, 20 tournaments max a year because he said you got to focus on other things that you do his family, as his, his hunting, his fishing, his other businesses. That sort of protected his sanity. And a lot of times you'll You'll go to someone's house who's a, 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 a baseball great and walk around their house. You won't even know anybody there ever played baseball. Same thing with some of the golfers. And the, and the people that are causing problems are the, the ones that are forcing kids to not have anything else in their life. And it ends up being a big issue, I think, for junior golfers.
1: It's a huge issue. And, and one thing I haven't ever really shared with anybody, is I played tennis in high school too, and I actually went through a period of time, you know, late high school where I, I, I enjoyed tennis a lot more than golf, but I was much better competitively mm. at golf. And again, this is nineties. <laughs> We're going back into the mindset of coaches back then because, you know, it's changed a little bit. We're playing, you know, dual sports is, is becoming, um, you know, science is showing with the brain and everything that actually could be more beneficial now. But I was playing two sports and I remember my tennis coach, the tennis was affecting my golf swing a little bit in a negative way. So my tennis, my high school tennis coach talked to my golf coach and said, you know, Meredith's good at tennis. I was actually playing number one doubles. I I would actually play like sometimes uh, as singles I would be like number six, not as good at singles, but I was really good at doubles. I I had a really good partner, Callie, I played with, and she and I were a good team. Um, But my tennis coach basically told my golf coach, um, I think Meredith needs to just, you know, she has to choose. It needs to be golf because she's playing better golf than tennis, but she's pretty good at tennis. And I remember my golf coach telling me, you need to quit tennis. And I'm thinking, I don't want to tell you this, coach. I like tennis better. <laughs> but at, at that time as a kid now, you know, obviously what I'm doing now I love. Um, but I remember uh, quitting tennis because I was told by a coach that I have to stick with the store that, the sport that I'm best in. And, and go with that. And that's just, you know, Right, and then,
0: and then quickly after that, you're dealing with burnout in the sport that you...
1: And then I was... Yeah. yeah, and then I lost... I mean, I was actually... There was a couple times I snuck away from golf practice and met some of my um, some of my players that, on my team with tennis, and I wouldn't even tell my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but golf practice, I'd head to the tennis courts, and I'd play tennis, because I just sometimes needed the change. I just needed the change. Yeah. I don't remember the book, but there's a book, and it was who was it written by? But it it talked about playing two sports, and it compared Tiger Woods with Federer. You know, when he was playing tennis growing up, he didn't he played multiple sports. He actually was a really good soccer player. It wasn't until late high school that he really developed tennis. And obviously, we know Tiger's story. So it shows these you know the best tennis player ever, the best golfer ever. And one of them came into their sport late, playing multiple sports. And guess what? They both made it to the top. Mm. And it's a lot. This book I need to now. Now it's going to drive me nuts because I don't have the name of it. Um, but it, it compares how our like our minds work and how much better really it can be to play multiple sports. And had we had some of that information in the '90s, I might not have gone through that burnout. Yeah,
0: right. And it, and it's and it's mental. It's it's emotional and it's physical, too, because being in a rotational sport, uh, especially you think about junior golf, you're walking, you're carrying your bag all the time, you're hitting balls, you're hitting them as hard as you can, and, and you end up having some some issues and, and doing a little bit of that cross-training and getting into some other sports is something that's right. I think can be really, really helpful. Well, Meredith, we, we appreciate you uh, joining us uh, here today on, on the podcast for the folks listening and viewing. They can find you uh, at Myrtlewood here in uh, in the Myrtle Beach area it's sort of centrally located two great golf courses out there uh, the website is Meredith Kirk coachescom coaching coaching Meredith Kirk coaching.com and uh when you're booking your trip to Myrtle Beach and Meredith, I tell I tell everybody right now, if you're going to come to Myrtle Beach this year, you better book it right now because things are on fire down here. If you wait much longer to book your trip, we're going to be full, folks. So uh, get get busy. You can always do that at uh, myrtlebeachcom You uh, represent uh, Founders Group International and their website is? Uh,
1: MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com.
0: So we can fix you up, go to either one of those sites, folks, and- Meredith, uh, I appreciate you sharing. It's always great having you on. Look forward to seeing you out on the golf course and love to have you back on the show sometime.
1: Thanks so much, Charlie. Good seeing you.
0: All right. That's uh, Meredith Kirk, folks, uh, former Miss MRS, South Carolina. Uh, her uh, life has been an adventure. If you want some help with your golf game, uh, go see her. She's uh, uh, very knowledgeable and, and I just love being around the positive folks. And uh, honestly, That's the that's a, that's a way to go. And Uh, Folks, uh, make sure that uh, you like us wherever it is that you view your podcast, and uh, we'll see uh, you next time right here on the uh, Charlie Romer Balls in the Air podcast. Appreciate it.